3: welcome everyone to si media with jimmy trainer we have a bonus episode of the podcast today where it's uh, monday day after the super bowl we have brian curtis from the ringer to discuss all things super bowl kevin Burkhart, greg olson aaron andrews mike Pereira, fox's presentation pre-game show halftime and um cover it all with brian curtis who does a great job covering media for the ringer and we get into a couple of other little topics at the end um with Radio Row and the Michael Irvin situation, but the bulk of the pod is on Fox's telecast of the Super Bowl. We'll have another episode out for you later this week, as we usually do on Thursdays, so don't worry about that. And if you missed any recent episodes of the SI Media with Jimmy Traynor podcast, check them out in the archives. We had Richard Deitch from The Athletic on last week, Chris Berman two weeks ago, Jason McCourty from Good Morning Football three weeks ago. So check those out. Subscribe to the pod, rate and review. All right. Brian Curtis from The Ringer on Fox's coverage of Super Bowl 57, all right here on SI Media with Jimmy Traynor. Yeah. All right, joining me now for this special bonus episode of SI Media with Jimmy Traynor is one of our regulars from The Ringer, editor-at-large, covers all thing media, the Press Box podcast, fresh off his Radio Row week with the phenomenal column, Brian Curtis. Brian, how's it going? I
4: don't know how fresh I am. Given you know six days on Radio Row and then the game last night, but yeah. I'm ready to rock, man. There's so much to talk about. Six days on Radio Row. Six? I always go Sunday. See, I go Sunday. The real pros. You show up on Sunday when it's a room full of empty tables and it looks like we're all about taking AP test. Because then you get the lay of the land. I, I don't. I don't want to start. You know, at a standing start on Monday. I got. I got to be racing. Once well,
3: later. I love your Radio Row column. We'll get into that a little bit later. We'll start with the Super Bowl with uh, Fox doing their coverage. I wrote about it this morning. I gave them an A. I don't like giving grades, but you know, you sort of throw it out there as an online thing. What was your overall assessment of the Fox game broadcast?
4: Same. I uh, thought they did really, really well last night. You know, it was funny, that very first Eagles drive in the first quarter, Kenneth Gainwell looks like he falls into the end zone, and which is a big moment, as you and I know, for gamblers. First score at the Super Bowl. And what does Fox do? Almost immediately puts up that great shot of Kenneth Gainwell's arm looking like he's about to be in an arm wrestling contest (laughs) just short of the goal line. And again, it's a small thing. It's a thing that probably washes over the heads of most people watching the Super Bowl. But you're just like, that's why these guys are really good, right? Yeah. Not only do they have that shot, they had that shot immediately. And it's like, oh, not a touchdown. Let's get Jalen Hurts the first TD of the Super Bowl. I thought the production-wise was really, really good last night.
3: I agree. You know, I have to say, from network to network, the production always seems pretty – I I rarely have major issues with the production. But they did – listen, everything you needed last night. They, they got screwed on – the one non-pass interference call on Bradbury and Schuster in the second quarter where there was someone blocking sort of the view of the penalty. But there's nothing really they can do about that. Um, and here's the other thing. I, I, things move so fast during that game, it feels like. I mean, the day feels so slow and the buildup feels so slow. But once they actually kick off, everything feels like it's moving so fast. And it's. I think it's hard to get everything in because they've got so much to do. Go ahead.
4: And to that point, if you noticed last night, the Eagles, especially in the first half, were racing to the line of scrimmage after every play. The Chiefs yep. started doing that in the second half. That makes everybody's job on the broadcast so much harder because yep. it's not a lot of time to breathe. There's not a lot of time to think. There's not a lot of time to show replays. So that game felt like it was in fast forward last night because it was in fast forward.
3: That's a great point. really is. Um, everyone is bowing down to Burkhart and Olsen, and I'm sure we'll do it too. I'm going to start – because I have to be a negative Nelly. I'm going to start with the only criticism I have, and it's so minor, but I had to just throw one thing out there. Because you watch that game, there's, there was really nothing there, I think, that you could have criticized. The only thing, and it, it, again, and maybe the fact that things move so fast is why it didn't happen. I just would have liked a little more on everyone slipping. Because that became a big theme. And with Olsen being a former player, I thought he could have really offered some good perspective there on, not, you know, he could have went into the cleats and the grass and what's going on, but I also would have loved the mentality of, it, does a player get frustrated when he's slipping? What does a lineman have to do differently? Other than that, I, I can't think of anything negative. Well, my, You know, Mike Pereira and the rules analyst thing, we'll get into that. But in terms of Burkhart and Olsen, I thought other than that, it was they really were just perfect the whole night.
4: It's interesting about Olsen because watching him all year, he is Mr. Strategy, go-for-it-on-fourth-down guy. He had McKinnon sliding short of the end zone last night. He knows exactly what's happening in all those cases. When they have set him up to talk about what it was like to be an NFL player, I find that's often stuff he is not especially great at. Okay, It's really interesting. Like There have been other moments. I think Burkhart, maybe it was the NFC Championship game because Olsen played in one and played in the Super Bowl, too. And he was like, what does it feel like? To make the super bowl and also just had a fine answer very unmemorable and it was like weirdly that's the thing often with young announcers that's the one thing they can talk about is what does it feel like to play football yep. i feel olsen is much more comfortable talking about x's and o's and strategy and showing you yep. why patrick mahomes does this on an rpo than he is on talking about the game yeah. totally agree with your overall assessment though it was interesting to me because It felt like two guys doing their first Super Bowl, not in the sense that they were nervous, but in the sense that they were very cognizant of not putting too many fingerprints on the game. They were laying back a little bit, calling the game, doing the analysis, but also not overdoing it. It felt like two rookies in that sense where they were very, you know, aware. This is our first game. Yeah. Don't try to do too much. Leave it at that.
3: Yeah. Listen, there. I can understand why people may want some hype and maybe some over-the-topness for the Super Bowl since it's the Super Bowl. But I think if you are any play-by-play guy, an analyst or woman, it it's smart to call that game like you're calling week six, one o'clock, you know, Carolina at the Rams. Like... People don't want to be screamed at and told everything is great. You have to really pick your spots with that. You can't do it constantly. And I thought they, they somehow have managed to do that. Per- they know when to do it. I mean, they they know when to do it, and they do it perfectly.
4: We tried the other approach in the AFC Championship game two weeks ago. Yeah. We were told every play was the biggest play of the season, and every time Chris Jones did anything that great players make big plays and big games, and it was incredibly annoying. Yeah. And well, I think you're funny. absolutely right. Yeah. The Super Bowl and Fox are going to hype itself. Yeah. So you could sit there, and, again, you want to meet the moment, right? You want to make sure that people know just how big these plays are by giving a little bit extra in your voice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you don't need to do a ton. You really right. don't.
3: I've written through the rise of, of Burkhart and Olsen that for me, you know, I, I think there are very intelligent writers out there like yourself who come at this from a very cerebral approach. And, and I'm just a very basic dumb person. So my thing is just don't annoy me. Just don't annoy me. That's all I ask. And they don't annoy me at all. And when I was watching the game last night, and you know, every the tweets are pouring in, everyone loving Olson, and and I kept saying, but, and I kept trying to think myself, what is it, what what are they doing, what they, I, I can't, and then it hit me, and it's so simple and basic, and sounds like you know a fifth grader could come up with this, but it's this is what the truth—they never say anything stupid on a broadcast, mm-hmm. never. I don't want to point out other people, and this, and it, it feels like. Every word they say means something, and there's nothing superfluous. But on top of that, they don't say anything. You're like, "Oh my god, what that was!" So-. Actually, Burkett had one minor thing I'll get to with per- where he praised Pereira, but I don't look at that as sort of game commentary. That's you know, their friends and business, but they don't say stupid things. That's really, I think, what it comes down to
4: for them. Almost, it's funny, isn't it? Because we live in this world where the Twitter scoreboard is often how many things did you say that just made Twitter erupt? Right. Romei's right. score was 1 million during the AFC championship game. Right. And right. these guys, you're right. That that score is really low. Right. And and it's funny because I was thinking about Burkhart last night. I was saying this to my co-host, David Shoemaker. <clears throat> it feels like the next thing for him is going to be to really put his fingerprints on the game a little bit more, to make a little more Kevin Burkhartness appear in a game you know how joe buck did that joe buck started he's really good at calling football and it took a while for him to be like you know what i'm going to call the game just like i always did but i'm also going to put a little joe buck in here so you know exactly who this is i think that's going to be kevin burkhardt's next frontier right it's just putting a little more of himself onto the game and i think that comes with being comfortable being confident Making it your job, you know, you're not a rookie anymore. It's your job. You're not going to yeah. get, you're not going to get fired. You're good. But you're right. The approach this year resulted in Twitter not complaining about them, which is something, right?
3: You really summed it up perfectly. About, you know, there's no Twitter. What was the word you used? Twitter. Eruptions I can't believe I can't. What I there's said. no Twitter. They don't cause any Twitter eruptions. That's really. That you—that was the perfect way to put it. And I, I'll say this too, to piggyback off your point, and I agree with you 100. percent Just as an example, there was a moment during the NFC title game where they're doing the you know promotion and the pump up for Rihanna for the Super Bowl, and Burkhart, uh, you know, sort of says makes a joke about how Olson was singing a bunch of Rihanna songs in their car ride the other day, and then you know they sort of moved on, and I'm sitting there like, yeah you need to name the songs or like, you know, tell, you know, ask Kevin what's your favorite. And I get they don't want to do it. They're in the middle of the NFC title game, but like, yeah, those little things here and there I think would go a long way, but uh, you know, avoiding the Twitter eruption is a very good way of, uh, of putting um, what they do so well in, in, in words there. Um, I, a couple of just random notes I took during the game and then I just throw it out there to you. You know, it's so everyone wants the Super Bowl to be on Saturday, or they want it pushed. So it's President's Day. They want everyone wants to be off on Monday. Nobody wants to go to work on the Monday. And the NFL has been really, really good about keeping that game at like six thirty and ending at a reason. That kick last night was six (laughs) forty four, and I wonder if I do wonder if there's going to maybe be a push to have that because obviously you know this. As soon as you get into that 10, 11 o'clock, the rating goes higher and higher. Um, I, I really hope this is not a trend because they never kicked... It was supposed to be a 6.30 kick or 6.32. It was 6.44.
4: It was interesting, too, because Burkhardt had this little line, you noticed, right before there. He I goes, did. Well, I guess we might as well kick it off. And that, that yep. a little Bob Costas, a little Marv Albert yes. to me, just a little wink at the viewer, like, yes. you know, it's been a long pregame. So let's play football.
3: I'm glad you pointed that out because I did. I wrote that down that he did do that. And then also Fox debuted... A new score bug, which you know, <laughs> the nerds like us love. Here's my thing: I, the only thing I would say, like I, I thought it was fine. I, I like that they finally the old score bug, and maybe I, I know p- other people thought this. They used to put the football next to the score to indicate which team had the ball, but it looked like the team had negative points. With the, the football wasn't round enough. So there were people on Twitter be like, why is the score negative six to zero? So that's gone. We don't have that anymore from Fox. That's really funny. I was watching
4: the score bug Twitter last night. I was like, I'm as nerdy as it gets, just like you are about all this stuff. It's like, man, that might be where I tap out. It's like having strong opinions about the score bug.
3: Well, it's funny. When I, I tweeted my column a couple of times today, reviewing the broadcast, talk about like, why do you care about this? The only complaint I saw from people back to me about Burkhart and Olsen was they were annoyed that I guess they, I didn't even pay attention to it, but I guess they, I guess Burkhart said something very kind about Rupert Murdoch and Elon Musk when they were showed on television. I guess, I think a lot of people don't realize that Rupert Murdoch at the end of the day is Kevin Burkhart's boss. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, he's going to throw in a line about whatever it was, but, um,
4: yeah, I think he said he had something oh, yeah. about a great mind, two couple of great minds in the, right. in the box or right. whatever it was. Right. Yeah, the well the must thing I think was, you know, yeah. To talk about something that causes Twitter eruption. I mean there's, yeah. there's well, he you, is a Twitter eruption himself.
3: You are not allowed to praise Elon Musk these days, so not yeah, yeah, that was
4: funny.
3: And I also thought it was smart. I felt like they um I think a lot of people expected Fox to give us a lot of Donna Kelsey on the broadcast, but they really just did the one shot where she was sitting with Goodell and and DeMar Hamlin. I, I, they sort of kept that during the game to a minimum, which I think was smart.
4: that was really nice. I, you know, yeah. and of course, that's one of the things about having a five and a half hour pregame show or whatever it was. we can yeah. just get that out of the way, yeah for those who have not been just you know <laughs> beaten with that whole through of weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like, okay, we got it. It's out there. Let's move on. Yeah, it's. Um, I would
3: love to know what goes through producers' minds. Like, do they think people don't know this story? Do they think people want more? But, man, they, they flood the zone with with that story.
4: Well, this is the trick, right? And then you and I have relatives like this. There are 100 million people-ish watching the Super Bowl. Yep. And a lot of people, and I am related to several of them, have no idea that there are two brothers playing in the Super Bowl when they sit down and yeah. watch it. When I was talking to my wife last night, she did not know that. And she was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Has that ever happened before? And I'm like, let me tell you a story because I've now heard this 100 times over the last two weeks. Yes, so you have. So you are calculating for people like you and me and big football fans. And then you're calculating for people who are just like, what's going on here? Super Bowl, I'm in. I don't know the stories.
3: It is, you know, I've always said this. I mean, going back to my...
4: Old, old, hot He's
3: Like we're so in the bubble, and we think everyone is in the bubble with us. And you know, I had I had a, one of my best friends texted me last night out of the blue, and he's like, "Greg Olson, I, I he's really good. I like him a lot." And I'm just like, "Yeah, you sh- this has been like for a month now. Where have you been?" Like, <laughs> you know. we think everyone's in the bubble, and you know, it's just not the case.
4: Yeah, normal people don't think about um, announcers. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the weird parts of our job. And then you're like, "Oh, that announcer is really good." And I'm like, "Sure, yeah, that guy, okay."
3: now i've this is I've, I've been ranting and raving about this like a lunatic for a, a long time and i get some people tell me like you're beating a dead horse give it up and then i get other people like talk about it more talk about it more so i never know what to do but we need to get into the rules analyst situation here in mike perra i think the rules analyst across the board is the most overrated thing in sports broadcasting so that's my stance on it last night there were two things that stuck out to me now, I'll say this. I wrote a big column about it after the title games because CBS, they go to Gene Steratore every 30 seconds and it takes over the game it ruins the flow. And I wrote this. Fox goes to Pereira sparringly, which is much better. The problem with Pereira is he will never say the refs are wrong. He will never, ever say the refs are wrong. So there were, so there were three things last night. The first thing was you mentioned the Gainwell play in the beginning with the elbow, where everyone who was watching the game saw it. I don't know why they have to bring in Pereira to say his elbow was short of the goal line. When, if you have eyesight, you know that. There's no need to bring him in there. There's no need. So that's my little pet peeve there. Am I a lunatic for that opinion?
4: No. That's like the okay. thing NBC did on year for years on Sunday football. Remember, they're like, we have somebody to interpret the rules. His name is Chris Collinsworth. And right. for most of these, he can just right. do it himself. Right.
3: Yep. And then the second thing on the Devante Smith, Devante Smith catch on the sideline with the helmet. He came on, spoke for five straight minutes, big word salad. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I don't understand the, the 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 rule. I would be less annoyed by all the rules analysts if one of them could just come on and go, you know what? This is really hard to see what's going on here. I have no idea what they're going to call it, what the right call is. Mm-hmm. I The cops will not come handcuff you and take you to jail if you say that. You are allowed to say that. Just say that. <laughs> Instead, it's Third leg and the movement and this is it. That's not serving the viewer in any way, shape, or form. Just say I don't know what what the call should be here.
4: Totally, and that was one. It was so weird because we looked at how many times we look at that. I have no idea what the right call should have been on that play. And I thought the best piece of analysis was actually Olsen being like the Kansas City Chiefs are moving back to the old line of scrimmage because like right. this is literally what's happening. Like, let's right. just wait. And watch the players because they're going to get word before we do. And then, of course, it wound up the players going to apparently three different lines of scrimmage, the old one, (laughs) the new one, and then back to the old one. But, yeah, that was weird But
3: just talking nonstop through all the replays and saying nothing, it doesn't – just say, I have no idea what's going – I have no idea what's going on here. That's all. Can I ask
4: you one thing about this, and you may be able to get to this, but do we like the fact that Fox and Olsen are not treating their referee in the booth like this authority figure who can never be wrong? And that Olsen – well that's time during the season is like yeah. Mike Pereira you are saying this but I actually just totally disagree with you.
3: Right. So that's where we so that was the third the third sort of um nugget here was obviously the play that everyone's talking about the holding there at the end with Bradbury where Olsen and Pereira uh, of course Pereira comes on and says the ref's right cuz he, that he's never going to say they're wrong. And I thought Olsen made a good point about the moment when you call it is it really affecting the play now what he did there now it's interesting there because I could see you know there are some people if if Olson did that and you're Pereira you probably want to knock him out a little bit because he's sort of throwing him under the bus um, and then that whole thing becomes a mess because Bradbury says he was holding him yes so that and then here you have the biggest game of the year the Super Bowl everyone's watching you have Great teams. It's coming down to the wire, and it's all about the refs and the and the call. It's unbelievable.
4: So what's interesting is they let and I assume encouraged Olsen and Pereira to spar a little bit about very friendly terms all yeah. year. Calls, yeah, which I like because remember when yeah. CBS, who was the last CBS ref who who they had to not not poor Mike Carey, you no, know, the one that was always wrong. They would treat him as an authority figure. Mike Carey, wrong, yeah, Mike Carey. And it was kind of was like some
3: of the greatest television in the history of sports. It was. A,
4: it was a. If you love awkward television, that was that was your thing. <laughs> it was. Um, it's funny because we don't treat the referees on the field as infallible, so why would we treat the referee sitting next to us as infallible? Right. And I do like it that they're able to kind of. And in that moment. I thought it was totally fine, whether I agree with them or not. I thought it was totally fine for Olsen to come back and say, like, you may be right, but like, why are they making this call right now? It did, to me, right. it did not. I think in theory, I would think that would be actually really bad in the last two minutes of the Super Bowl, I did, I, but I thought it worked fine last night. Right. Um, well, I, I do like think- that they can have a dialogue about it and be like, dude, really? That's holding or that's pass interference? Right. Right. I, I, the
3: interesting is I mentioned it the same exact play happened in the second quarter where they didn't throw the flag yeah, and there was exactly. an obvious script. Then they throw the flag. So it's that inconsistency. That's a problem. Um, But like you said, I like that they go back and forth. I just wish Pereira would sometimes acknowledge that the refs, you know, all Pereira is there. He's just focused on the fact that Bradbury had yanked the Jersey and Olsen's point about, did he impede the play? Did it really affect the play? The timing of it, are you going to make that call? Now, and what's interesting, it, it, you pointed out about Olsen's take on that. If you, if you follow all of the football NFL players, past and present, that I follow, all said, like, how do you call it in that moment? Pereira should speak to that a little bit, I think. But, he, you know, it's not going to happen.
4: It is. And I, and I do think if I have sympathy for the refs, and I usually don't, I think it's a tough job to be like, we want you to make great calls all game to be excellent for 58 minutes. And then in the last two minutes, we want you to be slightly less than great because it complies with whatever storylines we want to happen right now. Like we want, even us neutral people, right, want Jalen Hurts to get the ball back one more time and have a chance to win or tie the game. Like, I think that's a tough job (laughs) to just sort of like read everybody's minds. And I totally understand calling plays like that in the last two minutes. You know, I'm sure I had that reaction in the moment, but I'm also just like, really, Like, and that's what, and you and I can talk about this too in a minute, but like, I feel talk show people have just been tying themselves in knots this morning about this.
3: Well, because it's, it's, I mean, you summed it up with the Pereira Olsen discussion. It's, did he hold them? Yes. Should it be called there? No. And that's a tough way for the, even, you know, I'll admit as much as I bash the refs, that's a tough way for the refs to have to do their job. It is. You said it, and then talk show, talk shows, are arguing, I guess, those two things. And it's like, there's no answer there, I think.
4: Well, and also, as you mentioned earlier, James Bradbury stood in his locker and said, I held him. I right. wish the ref hadn't called. I hope the ref wouldn't call it, but it was a penalty. Right. So it's like, well, then what are we talking about at this point? It was like, it was kind of a penalty. The guy who it was called on thinks it's a penalty. So what are, who are who are we talking on behalf of at this point? Ourselves? Because we wanted one more drive and what was... Otherwise a really fantastic Super Bowl for 58 minutes, I guess. So yeah. Storyline. Yeah. Okay. But you know. Yeah,
3: I think I think it's all for us. 100 percent And you know, Brady, Brady, Tom Brady said this on his podcast, on his radio Series 6M radio show two or three weeks ago. It, now he was talking about line play, not not on a pass, but he said there's holding on every play. just a matter of are they gonna call it how egregious, et cetera. Now I don't now maybe if you talk to NFL players, that philosophy, I mean you said it there. Bradbury said, I held them. I was hoping they wouldn't call it. I think the players from everything I'm seeing now are really thinking like, okay, fourth quarter, a minute left. They're not going to call it. I'll do a little tug." It does seem like the situation of the game is in the heads of the players.
4: Mm-hmm. But in I, terms of the refs. Again, I wonder if that's the players talking or if that's all of us as a football watching society having heard announcers for 40 plus years ago you can't make that call in the last two minutes of the game right like right. we've heard people say that for over and over. why can't you do that again i mean the joseph o side thing against patrick mahomes in the NFC Championship game was another one it's like well it was clearly right. a late hit like i don't know what do we want and if it was our team if i actually had a stake in that game would i not want them to call that penalty if i were a chiefs fan if if the dallas cowboys were were in that moment like of course i would right. want them to call it. be like oh great super bowl game over Thank you referees for daring to get it right no matter what anybody says. It's funny you funny.
3: It, Yeah, it's funny you bring that one up because when that happened, I had zero problems with that call. It was clear what he did. I tweeted, if that play happens in the NFL in preseason week 1, week 5 playoff Super Bowl, they're calling that penalty. There's other no circumstances where they wouldn't call that penalty. And then last night when they called the penalty on Bradbury, I was like, eh, <laughs> like you see, you know, you I want to see the replay. You see it, here. and they still after the replay, I'm like, I don't know what you do there. Like, do you, you know, I get it. He held them. but the situation. So
0: it was. Closer. I guess. Definitely. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I call. guess you just you take it on a on a case by case basis. I think what you can't do if you're a ref, you got to. These are the rules, and this is what it is.
4: One interesting piece of evidence from last night is if you remember the last two Chiefs drives before that, what happened on their scoring plays? They had wide receivers wide open walking into the end zone. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. they called plays. And Great then designed to. Then the third time was they did not have a wide receiver wide open in the end zone because there was at least a minimal tug. So that's that probably is evidence we should consider when, you know, whether that was a penalty or not.
5: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
3: Another aspect of the game we should touch upon is Mahomes and the ankle. Because I mean, I thought he was done. I thought he was done. The way he came off that field, he was done. The way his head was on the coach's shoulder on the bench. Exactly. I went live bet. I went live bet the Eagles. Sons of bitches. And uh, (laughs) and then you know halftime comes and Rihanna and like no one's talking about and I'm just like what's going on with his ankle? Like I like Rihanna. It's a good show. I can I get something on the ankle? And then the second half starts. Erin Andrews comes on. I thought she did a little. She did a nice job of throwing Andy under the bus a little bit. There, saying that was funny. That, that Andy, which I didn't know. I don't. know. I'd love to know if you knew that Andy Reed does not speak to the reporter at halftime if the Chiefs are losing. Did
4: you know that? That was no, and it's really strange to me. Like really wait, strange. You know, if you're winning, if we're winning, I'll talk to you. Yeah. Or if it's tied, I'll talk to you. I guess. But yeah, exactly.
3: So, so that's why we couldn't get anything on Mahomes because. And I'm glad Aaron revealed that because I thought that was interesting because I kept saying, "You know, what's the word on my own?" And then he comes out, and it was like nothing happened. And then it's getting so lost in the shuffle because of the Bradbury penalty. But right before that, he scrambled for like 40 yards, exactly. and I'm like, "The guy was the guy had no ankle an hour ago. What happened?" And, you know, and Jimmy Johnson at halftime is like, "Well, they'll give him, they'll give him some medication." Yeah. But then today, we're taping this on Monday. Someone came out re- with, a th- with a report. Who I forgot who it was, but it's a legit rep- person said the Chiefs gave him nothing at halftime. Really? <laughs> then what the hell happened last night? Someone did, then maybe <laughs> there is a script.
4: Uh, maybe there is a script. It was funny how we did this three times. Did it against the Jags? We did it against the Bengals, and then we did it last night. We're like, oh, I don't know about Patrick Mahomes in that ankle, and then it's like, yeah, never mind, he's fine. Yeah, he's really good. He's still Patrick Mahomes, the MVP. By the way, did you love Travis Kelsey after the game? Everybody wrote off the Chiefs. They didn't give us a chance. Like, come on, seriously. And then I people, had it. I had people in my yeah. mentions today. I was making fun of it, being like, well, you know, a lot of people didn't have them winning the West. Like, come on, man. Like, seriously, they've been. They've had how many home? afc championship games in a row
3: the only thing i would say here to defend travis kelsey is i did wonder if he was talking about and i don't know how locked in these guys are before game but everyone on fox six out of six picked the eagles yeah and i tweeted that and someone replied to me and sent me a screen grab from nfl network in the morning where they all picked the eagles so I wonder if that's what he was referring to. For him to say like no one thought they'd win the West, no one thought they'd come out of the AFC. I mean, listen, there was a lot of hype around Burrow and Allen and all that, and I get it. Sure. But the Chargers,
4: people like you know, the Broncos yeah. before the Broncos cratered, everybody's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Could they win it with Russell I
3: wonder if he meant in this because everyone picked the Eagles. Everyone was picking the Eagles. So I wonder if that's what he meant.
4: Well, these guys are so good at finding like the one shred of doubt. Yeah, pretending that all well, the whole world is against the Chiefs. Yeah, right. And there was—you're right. There was just enough. Oh, well, Terry Bradshaw yeah. picked the Eagles. Well, the mayor of Cincinnati was making fun of us, you know. And it's yeah. like, you are the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league. But that's how yeah. players work. And hey, yeah. it worked.
3: Yeah. I listen. I I had a feeling that with Cincinnati, that stuff was gonna come back to bite Cincinnati with the Burrow head and the and the chief stayed and the chief stayed very quiet and i listened to kelsey's podcast and he had made a couple of like offhand mentions about Burrow head so i was like yeah that's going to be used as motivation in terms of like no one picked the chiefs no one thought the chiefs could win." i don't know where like i said unless they they were looking at the pregame shows before the super bowl i don't know where any of that came from that was
4: no he noted the other day before the afc championship game they had been favored in 14 consecutive playoff games in a row 14. so you know
3: there were a lot of great little stats like there was the stat about um the mvp never won this and um the coin toss never and a lot of it all got fizzled out last night which i hate those trends so i was glad to see that you mentioned the name terry bracha okay now when I, I, when I saw them getting ready for the trophy thing, which I don't really pay all that much attention to because I always find it useless. I, the thought I had in my head, I, t- I tweeted this as this one, but this, I said it to myself. I said, I like Terry Bratcher. I have no issue with Terry Bratcher. And I don't want to be an ageist. I hate that when people are ageist. But I did say to myself, you know, Terry's got a certain kind of personality and he's at a certain stage of his career. I'm like, this network has Kurt Menefee, Strahan, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi, and Kevin Burkhart. You can even throw in Schrager, Glazer, seven people right there who are all there. Is that the person who should be doing the trophy presentation? (laughs) And then I guess... Well, he's, he's making a bunch of fat jokes about Andy Reid, which I didn't take as a big deal because I think they're friends and I think Andy has a good sem- sense of humor about it. And I'm a fat person and I get it. Fat people make fun of fat people with other, together because Terry's not exactly slim. Waddle on over has, here, Andy. That's what he said I last mean, night. that was funny. I'm yeah. sorry. That was funny. And here, and people get all upset. At his... at What's the awful thing they do on the Monday? At media night, someone asked... Andy Reed, his philosophy for having a happy life. And he said, Hawaiian shirts, cheeseburgers, and something else. So I don't think Andy Reed was offended by Terry saying, go have a double cheeseburger, but I don't know where do give me your stance on the trophy presentation.
4: It definitely makes for a really crazy TV. And I thought this one was actually less weird than Terry freestyling after the NFC championship game. Do you remember that? Where he was out on know. the stage, the other game was about to start, but he was out on the That's stage. And he'd be like, "All right, Jeffrey Lurie, get in here," and he'd ask him <laughs> one question. And he'd be like, "All right, get, get out of here, Nick Sirianni, get out of here." And then he made Jalen Hurts sing "Fly Eagles, Fly" to the whole. Oh table right, table right, right, mic, right. Which was just like, fun? "Wait, what is?" And Jalen did it to his credit, like sang the whole song, not not one vert, not one stanza, but like the whole song.
0: Right. That's probably.
4: Just, so again, as a fan of like weird TV, just sending Terry out and being like, dude, just go out and freestyle. Like it's all, it's all like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no script that, here. It's and that's amazing.
3: That's probably why Fox has him do it. Um, I, like I said, I, I don't pay close attention to that. Cause like I said, there's nothing usually come out of it, but someone sent me a funny tweet and said that when Bradshaw was interviewing Kelsey and Kelsey was going on what you pointed out earlier, ranting about everyone picking them to lose. And Terry slips in those low (laughs) lifes. That's funny. That's, that's funny. That's, that's good stuff there. But I just think you have like these really, they have so many professional trophy presentation people they can use. And yeah, they still use Terry. It's an interesting choice.
4: It's so boring normally. And it's kind of the worst part of a big game. That injecting like a little danger into it. it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah.
3: We gotta talk about Radio Row before I let you go. Anything you wanna mention? Anything we didn't cover here about the Super Bowl? What
4: how much of the pregame did you watch? Um, I came in and out. So I would watch the um there were some like awkward gambling moments where it's like we have to talk about gambling. So we're gonna ask Michael Strahan about his parlays or whatever. I was like, is this is this really a, the right segment for this? Um, there was the patriotism minute. Did you watch that? Where Fox was had Johnny Cash's ragged old flag. Was that, got, like, okay, so I of,
3: came in. I put it on at about 5, 530. And there was some weird thing going on. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah that must was like have a whole just was. like,
4: let's talk about being an American segment. That was a thing. Yeah. That's bizarre. Um, that was that was interesting. I'm trying to think what else. They also had that thing where they were introducing the starting lineups and the players were like walking out on what looked like either a concert stage or a fashion runway walk
3: with with uh, DJ Khaled.
4: Yeah, that, yeah, that was horrific. I was
3: like, what? Yeah, that is was bad. Yes, that was really bad. I agree.
4: <laughs> and then there was the Jeter moment. Oh, so that was interesting, too. And to me, I feel almost exactly about Jeter like I do about Tom Brady. There's some definite doubts whether Derek Jeter will ever say anything interesting on TV, but I think you absolutely, do you hire him? Absolutely. You do. And take that chance. Right? He's Derek Jeter. Of course you hire Derek Jeter. You know,
3: I think Tom Brady will be way, way, way better than Derek Jeter. And this comes from like Derek Jeter's number one fanboy. I, you know, listen, if you watch the Jeter documentary on ESPN, what was it called? The captain or whatever, like with 18 parts, Uh he literally is on there saying, I went out of my way never to say anything to you guys, and now it's <laughs> and come I'm join still, us.
4: And I'm still going to do it, even though they right. have this documentary.
3: <laughs> right? And,
4: yeah. yeah, there was a Jeter, um, a Rod. A Rod came out. I was like, oh my god, does A Rod have to be a part of this too? Please yes, no. Every, every,
3: Fox. Nobody knows how to promote their stars better than Fox. I'll say that. No, and they're smart. It's like
4: big stars, like I, Derek Jeter. It's like, of course we're going to bring him out. It's only. It's only yeah. a weird thing is that Tom Brady was just kind of not
3: there. Tom is taking a break I guess. He's you know I I, I don't want to I you know I wrote that whole column today purposely didn't want to mention Tom Brady because I feel like it's been done to death. But and I, and I talked about this with Deitch heavily last week and I have to keep talking about it because it just keeps happening. The the rise and emergence of Olsen is going to make and I used wrestling terms. Tom Brady's going to come into this as a heel. It's going to be very rough for Tom and Fox because if it what's gone on with Olsen makes Brady the bad guy here. And, and I don't think he wants to be the bad guy. He certainly doesn't need to be the bad guy. He's won seven Super Bowls. He's got all this money. I mean, at some point he might just say, fuck this. He doesn't need to be the heel. And he's painted. He's going to be the heel in this whole
4: situation. So two things about that. I still think there's a fairly reasonable shot that Tom Brady never calls a game for Fox that this whole year is not just preparing for him to be an announcer, but it's him just spending a year trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life and finding another way to make tons and tons of money that is not calling games for Fox. And I still think that's, that could happen. I think Fox really wants him and is planning on him showing up in 2024, but I think that's at least the possibility. Here's my other thing though. You and I totally think that, but going back to the thing about the way we watch a telecast versus the way normal well-adjusted human beings watch a telecast. My mom does not know who Greg Olson is. But if you're like Tom Brady, oh, Tom Brady, nice old, nice Tom Brady, the golden boy, yes. There will be a lot of that, you know. There will be be. sports media critics. I I know that. I imagine that. I really like Greg Olson. But I just like, there'll be a lot of the regular people who are just like, I cannot wait to see Tom Brady on television. And I'm not 100% right. Knocked out this tight end that I only know about from –
3: you know. I will say, you know, no one needs to, you know, de- defend Tom Brady, but I'm going to defend them from this standpoint. What I don't like it, you know, like I said earlier, I tweet out the column with a review and I say, Olsen, you know, hit it out of the park. And I get all these tweets from people like Brady better not go near the booth and they better not use Brady and F Brady and this. you still got to see if he can be good. Like, I understand that there are a lot of people who don't think he's going to be good and they think he doesn't have a personality and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm of the belief that if he's taking a year off now, you say he's never going to do it.
4: Okay. No, no. I said, that's it's what, that, on the board. It's on the board. It's on the board.
3: My thing is, if he is going to do it, if he's going to go through through it, he's not going to go in there and embarrass himself. He's going to try. Now, whether someone thinks he's good or not, that's up to the individual. But I don't like the theory of he shouldn't even try. Like, I, I want to see what he's going to be like in the booth.
4: No. And to me, if I'm running a network, I want guys like Greg Olson who are like the unexpected a guy, announcer, who really turns into this great prospect out of nowhere, basically, right. or let's say out of nowhere, but you know, not the on top of your list. But you know what? I also want to try the most famous football players in history. Like, yes, I want to see if they're great announcers. If he turns exactly. into Joe Montana, that's great. You know what's gonna happen in two years? Somebody's gonna hire Aaron Rodgers and put him on either a pregame show or a big game. And of okay. course, you want to see if Aaron Rodgers is great at broadcasting. Like, of yep. course. I agree. Like, stupid not to.
3: Yep. Like you said, that the Tom Brady hire goes beyond you and I watching a football game on Fox at 425 in week eight. That is about the people who don't care about football who know the name Tom Brady. That's what that's about.
5: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer.
3: All right. So now we covered the Super Bowl. Now you spent six days on Radio Row. Hopefully, the ringer has hazard pay for you. Yeah. And this is so for people who don't know who are listening, Brian goes to Radio Row every year and he writes a little column that's phenomenal about what takes place. And he has these theories about who's a Wednesday guest and a Thursday guest because all these. Jimmy, this is proven. (laughs) It's proven. All these people descend upon Radio Row and they do 500 radio shows and everyone gives, they go on every station like a conveyor belt and no one says anything ever. And it happens every year. And what I loved about this year's column is we got him, I mean, Carrot Top, Carrot Top. Yeah. Doing doing Radio Row. Tuesday guy. Tuesday guy.
4: And he was actually the perfect Tuesday guy. So the people don't know the guests get better later in the week. And the whole thing for the PR people leading the guests around is to get your guest on the best day. Because if like all these famous NFL court, Justin Fields is there on Thursday, you don't want to bring Carrot Top on Thursday because he's not going to be. But Carrot Top showing up on Tuesday, he could have done any show he wanted to do.
3: Now, who were the big Friday guests this year?
4: Well, so my my theory, as you put it, Jimmy, is that the guests actually peak on Thursday. And then they go a slight notch down on Friday because people want to leave town.
3: Right. They right, want to go right, to big right. parties
4: Thursday night and then they fly out Friday morning. So it was like Pop <clears throat> was huge, um, Justin Fields, Joe Montana. I tell you what, and this might have actually been the biggest guest, Stephen A. Smith uh was there. And you know what? Like if you can get He's 10 got a book with Stephen A. Smith or ten minutes with Joe Montana, how many radio hosts are really taking Joe Montana in that trade? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Joe Cool, but you know, right, right. Stephen A Stephen A
3: had a he had a book to promote. He did Um,
4: promoting other stuff, but um, that was definitely a a big one on Thursday. He was a Thursday
3: guy. So in addition to who's a Wednesday guy, Thursday guy, I'm always fascinated by the guy who will go on 764 shows in one day. Like Debo Samuel one day, I think was on every single radio sh- show that exists. Christian McCaffrey yes. was on every single radio show that exists. It's just, and you know, I'll follow some of the show accounts on Twitter who I like, you know. So we've got, God, I'm saying, you know, so much. I'm such a bad podcaster. I just realized it in my head. So it'll be ESPN's Get Up. Join us for Debo Samuel. 10 minutes later, I'm following, you know, WFAN. Follow us for Debo Samuel on Boomer and Geo. Then it's Pat McAfee. Follow us for Debo Samuel on. And then it's Dan Lebertois. We have Debo Samuel. It goes. And I'm like,
4: why are you doing this? I don't get it. And just remember to all the people at home, these shows are not in San Francisco that are having Debo Samuel on. Or they're not national shows, a lot of them. This is like Debo Samuel going on in Tampa, you know, and you're just like, if I'm sitting there, I'm a huge Bucks fan. And here is 10 minutes with Debo Samuel. Well, that's kind of cool, but it's also kind of random as a part of my radio day. Yeah, that was a weird one. I'll tell you what, the one I saw, Jim McMahon. Was there? Jim McMahon is on Radio Row every year. He's a very frequent visitor to the row. He did yeah. six and a half hours of radio, six and a half hours on Wednesday. And Jim do McMahon you even re- bit was. Do you re- I don't watch football anymore, so like <laughs> you could do eighty five Bears, oh you could God. do whatever he was promoting. But beyond that, like somebody it was a hilarious moment where a Chicago reporter came <laughs> up and said, "Hey Jim, what do you think of uh, Justin Fields?" You know, get a quote from the great Jim McMahon, and he was like, "I don't watch football and I have no opinion." And so you're I like, "I well, watch football," but here I am at Radio Row. You can't talk about Justin Fields.
3: Okay, so here's the question: So you said Jim McMahon did six and a half hours straight yes. radio interviews. Do you remember what he was plugging?
4: Uh, not totally offhand. There you go. I mean, I wasn't. I was <laughs> not sitting in on all of those, but yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Some of the guys are tearing around boards and, you know, like games and stuff like that, which was all very, it's just, I mean, it's so, and again, you and I say this as huge fans of sports radio, genuine fans of, of the medium that is sports radio. And i tell you one of the coolest parts is you walk around that room and you see everybody only Colin Coward and Dan Patrick kind of opt out of radio row. Like they're doing their shows in Phoenix, but not there. Right. Jim Rome's there your your guy mad dogs there. You know, Mike Felger from Boston is there. The number 1 station in Dallas. The ticket is there. Like everybody's there.
3: And I also heard that
4: Pat McAfee. Well,
3: yeah. Well, I heard one of the interesting things too is all of these now legalized gambling companies yeah. that have shows, fan have massive space at Radio Row. Who would have ever thunk that?
4: That was a big change. So it used to be like, you know, Fox Sports Radio would just have a big stage for people to come up and do their show but now it's the gambling companies also have it so you got cbs rated by the way boomer and uh geo were there this year yes as they had which is getting up very very early in phoenix to do their show but i thought that was interesting
3: well that's what kept fascinating about it because i listen to boomer and geo and and i listen to and i watch good morning football in the mornings i go back and forth depending on what's going on and and i have this weird thing where i'm just like you know i i i get fascinated by the minutiae like larry david i'm just like Boomerangio doing the show at three o'clock in the morning arizona time like it w- i would have stayed home <laughs> Like well, i don't it's three o'clock in the morning in arizona and they're interviewing anthony muñoz like uh,
4: that's hilarious that's the funniest one to me
3: anthony muñoz
4: <laughs> was a tuesday guy this year if i remember right
3: yeah the that's, um that's
4: another one So if you're in dallas and you're getting like 10 minutes of anthony munoz you nothing against anthony munoz but like what
3: right did you did you speak to mad dog at all
4: we sat down uh and did I, uh, I have like a this is you know like again i i defer to you as the mad dog bureau chief yeah of sports media because you're on it whenever he has a great rant about super bowl trivia and all that stuff yeah. but um I always like try to carve out 15 minutes to, to and take a microphone backstage at the series. Sirius has a whole compound on Radio Row, which is kind of awesome. Yep. And I just ask him about radio, you know, like not even so much the Mad Dog and Mike and all this stuff, but I just ask him about like, tell me about how to host a sports radio show. So this yeah. time he gets up and he goes, you know, you, Brian, Brian, you always want to learn about the radio. You want to learn about the radio. And of course, he's you know always happy to talk about the art form that is. Sporting. He
3: had he had two phenomenal moments last week. So I didn't, um, I didn't listen as intently as I do because I get bored with the guests. But I will check in to see who's on and if it's a guest I think could be like you know high humor situations. So he had on one guest who was there to promote baked beans, <laughs> and he was just like. All right, joining me now. I forgot to the as he goes. We gotta talk baked beans, but first let's get to some football. And it was just the way he does it. And I'm really upset that I don't I wish I would have asked Shelby to get the audio for me, because um, it was hilarious. And he then he had on another person, Hendon Hooker, that was the one with the baked beans. Then he had another person on who I guess was there, and this is gonna make me a horrible person. And please don't make me don't hate me for this. But he had someone on, I think, who's there to promote like cancer screenings. Okay. And Russo, if you listen to Russo, he uses the word scenario in every sentence and in every possible way. So when he introduced the guest, he's like, and we got to get to the cancer scenario. And it's just, he doesn't try to be funny, but my God, it's just, it sums up radio row, baked beans and, Chris Rousseau and cancer scenarios. The madness is is just too much. Can I
4: tell you the best question I asked him? Or not the best, but to me most interesting. I said, let's say the program director from Dallas walks into the serious compound or Tampa, name a city and goes, Chris, my host is sick. I need you to walk out here. No notes, no nothing. And can you host one hour of Dallas sports radio with nothing? He was like, absolutely, I could. Any city in America. And the only thing he said is, if it's a Canadian city, I might and the hockey might give me some problems. My hockey might give me some right. problems, but he right. could walk in and do one hour of any show on Radio Row without any prep. I believe
3: that. I mean, the guy's been doing it for forty years. He better know what he's doing. You know, that's kind of awesome, here. though, right? Oh, it's. I listen to him every day, and the places he will go, the things he will talk about. It's. He, I mean. He will break down. Well, he so he he's a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan, like everyone else in sports media, what, except for me.
4: Shot,
3: yeah. uh, he'll do a half hour on the set list from the night before, <laughs> and he knows he's like he's a savant. He's like he hasn't done this song in seven years, and the last time he did it, it was acoustic. And he interviewed. I'll tell you. I'll give you one. He did an interview last week with Brett Michaels of Poison. That was one of the best interviews I've ever heard him do. Wow! Because he gets he gets so wrapped up in the music part, he's asking him about uh, he do you pay your band for to eat on when you're on the road? Well, oh, he like just pulls a- these questions out of his ass. It's tremendous. Like a per diem kind of thing. Yeah,
4: Was yeah. Brett
3: Michaels on Radio Row. See that you may have missed him. He was okay. no. So what from what Russo said, Brett Michaels is supposedly like a huge serious XM fan, hmm. and well he. He said he listens to High Heat, Russo Show on MLB Network, and wow, what was the other show he said he listened to? But Brett Michaels was there on Radio Row doing the and I think it was on Friday. It so was on Friday. I am. I was distracted so, by
4: Fox News's Brian Kilmeade walking around. I must have missed Brett Michaels.
3: You know, I saw something. Tell me this: when you are there, and there's a controversial figure like someone from Fox News or whatever, and it, in, among them. Do you see friction at all ever between
4: people who are wandering Radio Row? It's off. It obviously has happened before, but here's the thing it's sports radio. Right. What might be controversial to you and me and the people we follow on Twitter may be. Is gold for them. Controversial on sports radio. Yeah, it's either gold because they embrace it or they just, it doesn't even process this controversy. It's like, oh, here's the guy.
3: Right it's an interesting one i got because i got who i got pitched someone i'm like there's no way i'd ever interview this person i forgot who it was now um but they're all there in person so it could be could lead to some hijinks
4: oh yeah and that's what now next year oh for right i mean it's not just like yeah exactly your company for five minutes
3: now next year the super bowl's in vegas dude can you even begin to process what that will be like?
4: I cannot wait. I mean, we, first of all, Carrot Top is probably going to be back; so he's a resident. But yeah, I'm. Um, I'm. Incre- I'm just excited about everything. First of all, we've not a lot of celebrities on Media Row beyond the sports people. I think that'll change next year. I'm just right. interested to see who comes next year overall. I mean, I just think it's going to be a totally different vibe, unlike anything we've experienced.
3: Do you know yet? Has it been determined where Radio Row would be in Vegas? Like, are they gonna do it? At, like, I don't know. You know yeah.
4: Usually we get like bottom floor of a convention center. This is this is not a yeah. romantic location, folks. This is not, I'm the only one getting very excited about this on a yearly basis. But yeah, you can imagine a casino, perhaps. Maybe it'll be just a Vegas convention center. I don't know.
3: <laughs> Over under on how many sports media people get arrested during that week in Vegas? <laughs> could Be a misdemeanor, it doesn't have to be a felony, but okay. Some there's going to be some scandal, someone's going to get drunk and break into someone's house or do something at a casino, get you know, a disorderly. Con- there's going to be a disorderly conduct somewhere in there,
4: so I'm going to put it at I can't decide if it's 0.5 or 1.5 <laughs> for the over under, yeah. But I'd say exactly. the two factors are it's Vegas, so yes, everything you just said, but also it's Vegas, so there may be a little more latitude on we're actually putting the cuffs on you right now, right. You know,
3: know, I I had not planned on asking this, and it's probably not fair for me to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you this as the last thing. If you don't want to talk about it, you could say it. I don't care. I've been obsessed with, and I took a little break because it was the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go back to being obsessed with because it sort of follows on this. This Michael Irvin thing Mm. is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in sports media. Uh, I'm not asking you to come down and say, you know, he, he did. But my God, the strangeness of conversation in a hotel lobby, it's on video. NFL Network, ESPN. I don't want, I, I don't think they suspend them, but sus, you know, whatever, kick them off the air. Yeah, yeah. Send them home. He sues for a hundred million. There's no leaks. Now there was a video that came out Sunday, which I don't, I don't know if that's the video in question. I don't know if it's true. So I didn't want to get into that, but there is something way off here. One way or the other.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot going on. I don't, I. it's a little bit one of those things where people are talking about it, and I don't want to just like repeat things that I do not know right. absolutely for, right. for sure uh, to anybody's fairness. I would just say, I think sending him home to me, the way I read that was whatever ambiguity has happened here, whatever complaint has happened, let's kick this down the road and not have, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Marshall and yeah. Jimmy Tran and Brian Curtis writing about this every day during Super Bowl week because right. the nfl it's just easier to, to to send him home but i agree and i you know when i was looking at this i was like is michael Irvin coming back to nfl network i think that's a really big question i mean it depends again on what are the actual facts of what happens here and i feel we only have a really slight hold on right. at this point but i also feel like you know michael irvin has been somebody who's been on that you know line for a long time right there have been a lot of things about michael Irvin going past he has talked a lot about that stuff but you know, it's very, to me, right. it's very much in question of whether he would come back to NFL Network.
3: And like you said, it's a dicey thing to discuss because we don't have the facts, but there have been developments. I mean, so Michael Irvin gets accused of whatever he's been accused with. He gets booted from NFL Network, he's been, and he does a radio interview. You don't, usually when that happens, you'll always tell you, shut up. He was keeping his media
4: commitments, yes, for like 24 hours afterwards. Right. And talk to the Dallas Morning and, News, I'm pretty sure.
3: Yep. And I thought it was interesting when... I thought the ESPN part of it was interesting because the initial part was the NFL network sent him home. Then ESPN did it. And I said to myself, okay, so does if maybe they both know something here that, you know, or did ESPN think we're gonna look bad if one network booted him and we don't boot him?
4: I think that's I think that's what it is. Right, right. And like I said, I think I think some of it, I mean, it is it is a very intriguing situation. I also think there's probably a certain sense of while we figure out what happens, we need to take you off the air because this we just don't want this to be a story all of Super Bowl week.
3: And Irvin's side of the story, which he went on radio and gave, so I think it's okay for us to discuss, is that this was a one-minute conversation in a lobby, and there's video of it. And it's like, okay, so if there's video of it, how can there be an issue about what – I guess maybe there's no audio, but if it comes out, and we don't know what's going to happen, but if this comes out that Irvin's telling the truth here or Irvin's side is what – I, how I don't know the backlash against NFL Network and ESPN I think would be severe, but he's suing Marriott and the accuser, not NFL Network and ESPN. So that adds, I think, more confusion to this.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely, and maybe that's maybe you're hitting on it, right? The ambiguity is in, or, or ambiguity may be the wrong word, but the controversy. What we need to find out is what was said, and that is yeah, right. you know, there maybe there may be different. He may have a version of that. Somebody else may have a different version of that. That right. might be the question.
3: And then the other part I just find interesting is that in this day and age everything sort of leaks and the accuser side really hasn't leaked. So I I guess you know, he he didn't have to nothing leaked on him because he went on radio and gave his entire side of the story, which was yeah. An interesting move. An
4: interesting choice for sure.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on day after the Super Bowl. Of course. Really enjoyed the insight here and uh you have to rest up from six days on radio row. So oh my go gosh! Do that.
4: I know. Yeah. I have to. I have unplug for a while. But but again, when I woke <laughs> up this morning, is like I kind of want to hear about sports radio about the game. You know, you know they're treating the game. So I'm gonna see. I would. I normally like that too. I just
3: like I'll put on Russo at three o'clock. I don't. I can't listen to three hours of. a, the refs and the call that gets oh, tedious. No. Like I'll give you, you give me 10 minutes on that. I'm but I don't, that can't just be the whole thing. Cause then it that just
4: gets get up this morning. It's like, well, you know, I, it's so unfortunate. We have to talk about the calls. Like, do we really have to, can we just do one segment on this and talk about other yeah,
3: I, again, that scrambled by homes has gotten totally lost in the shuffle. It has.
4: homes is awesome on that last year. Andy, or I'm just having Andy Reed being awesome for an entire half of football and destroying the Eagles defense. I don't know great.
3: how anyone could root against Andy Reid. I just don't. Uh, did you like when you took the
4: glasses problem. off? <laughs> yeah. Like, after the games, like, I no longer wear glasses. Whoop. Uh-huh.
3: It's kind of fun. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's one of the characters, so we need those. All right, Brian, appreciate it, as always. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks take, a lot.
4: Take care, Jimmy. All right, bye-bye. Yeah. All
3: right, my thanks to Brian Curtis for coming on this bonus episode of SI Media with Jimmy Traina. Appreciate him jumping on and giving us some fantastic insight as he always does we'll have another episode of the si media pod later this week and if you missed any recent episodes dip into the archives and check them out richard deitch from the athletic was on the podcast last week chris berman espn legend two weeks ago jason mccordy from good morning football three weeks ago give him a listen subscribe to the pod rate and review on apple as well we're going to read reviews uh, on an episode coming up with sal and train of thoughts and he'll be back with us on thursday as well all right Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you later this week right here on SI Media with Jimmy Tranis. Stay safe and take care.